the Lloyd's List Shipping Podcast. Welcome to the Lloyd's List Podcast, your weekly view on the story shaping shipping. I'm Richard Mead, editor of Lloyd's List. The European Commission is seeking comments on the way that liner shipping is regulated as it considers whether or not to extend the current set of competition rules for a further five years. It's an issue that has very distinct positions for and against. Ocean carriers are inevitably firmly in favour of maintaining their block exemption. Their customers, however, believe that the regulation distorts market competition. Uh, Given the woeful reliability of the current system, any suggestion that the status quo supports efficiency is frankly laughable. It's a complex legal debate, but at its heart, we're basically asking whether the three global alliances are beyond the reach of regulators. If Google isn't, then shipping certainly has a case to answer for in this review. Are we special? Of course. But special enough to justify exemption from competition law? Well, that's a difficult one to answer. All stakeholders are going to be weighing in with their submissions to the Commission before the December 20th deadline. But one of the first out of the gates is the OECD, which has come down firmly in favour of an end to the special treatment for shipping arguing that the current regime should be allowed to expire in April 2020. That's a position that's already causing controversy with the shipping industry representatives, who will now need to not only make their own submissions, but counter this high-profile and arguably very influential recommendation as well. I caught up with the author of the report, Olaf Merck, just after the report was made public on Friday 2nd of November. Olaf Merck leads the work on ports and shipping at the OECD's intergovernmental think tank, the International Transport Forum. In a 127-page analysis published today, he argues the case for ending special treatment for the liner companies under the Consortia Block Exemption Regulations. Olaf, welcome to the podcast. Yes, thank you. Um, So the European Commission's review of uh, consortia rules um, is obviously something that is going to be very pertinent to the uh, shipping lines, but also the ports and the shippers. Um, They've got until end of December, roughly, uh, to put in their views. You have put in your views today and have effectively argued the case that uh, the European Commission should end the current regulatory regime in terms of competition. Give us a quick overview in terms of why you think that. Well, I think in essence the question is uh, if uh, liner shipping is a unique unique sector uh, with unique features that uh, that justify the exemptions from competition law in, uh, in uh, within the EU. Uh, and we think uh, it is not. It is a, a sector like like many sectors. Uh, a lot of other industries also use alliances, but do not have uh, such a block exemption. And, uh, and actually, the report makes the case for that there isn't really a convincing reason why this should continue to be the case for, for liner shipping. Mm. I mean, the, the container lines obviously are, are going to um, take a view with that. Uh, you know, they are very much expected to uh, press for the, the status quo, uh, while the shippers are, are likely to argue, uh, you know, probably along the lines that you have, that shipping, um, you know, needs some review in terms of, of how these things, they, they think that the current rules have not led to any kind of um, efficiencies, uh, certainly haven't led to a better situation for them. The lines themselves argue that shipping is a special case, and it does require um, uh, sector-specific rules that allow them to continue with the process of uh, vessel sharing, uh, alliances, and uh, the efficiencies that have come as, as part of that. Why, why do you think they're wrong in that instance? Well, maybe first of all, it's good to, uh, to talk a little bit about the alliances and how this has evolved, uh, especially about the, the, the global Alliances, so it's the collection of vessel sharing arrangements uh, of, of different uh, different carriers. 
what you can say is since it has emerged in the 1990s, um, the character of these global alliances has, uh, has changed. It used to be really a tool for the smaller, for the medium-sized carriers to collaborate. Uh, and now at this moment, it, basically these global alliances are, are basically instruments for the largest eight uh, container carriers. So you can see the, uh, let's say, the instrument has, uh, has changed in, in character. And when you say, well, the lines, uh, they, they're probably going to argue for uh, the status quo, um, there is, in a way, a difference between the, the largest container lines and also the small players, because uh, actually in these uh, large global alliances, there are no small players any longer. So that is one point I think that is important to make. The, the character of these global alliances has, has changed. The second point is indeed what is the, uh, the whole impact on, uh, on the whole transport chain? What is the impact on, uh, on, on shippers? You mentioned them, on ports, on terminals, on other service providers in, uh, within, the, within the ports. Uh, and I think we, uh, we should take uh, these effects into account when we talk about the, uh, the effects of these alliances. And in most of the cases, uh, I think alliances have been considered well, a specific instrument for, 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 for the line of shipping industry. And, and that is where the discussion stops. I think now it, it really makes sense to extend that discussion and see what are the repercussions on the whole chain. Within that sort of context, the argument from the uh, the lines has always been that the current rules allow um, you know, efficiency enhancing uh, cooperation that simply wouldn't be the case without these rules being in place. Now, you're arguing somewhat differently there. You, you, you're essentially saying that if the current regulatory regime was effectively abolished or, or at least modified, that efficiency could continue. These alliances would effectively be allowed to continue, albeit under different rules. Is that, is that a fair assessment? Yes, the discussion is not about uh, are you for or against alliances. I mean, alliances, uh, these are happening. These happen in, uh, in other, other sectors as well. Um, so I, the discussion when we talk about these, uh, the special treatment of, uh, of, of liner shipping is really about whether there should be this instrument, which is called the block exemption, mm. uh, whether that should continue to be in place that gives uh, these, uh, these, the, the liner companies and their alliances special, special treatment. That, I think, is, uh, is, is one of the questions. Then, I mean, another question, there are different ways in which you can read our report. Another question is, is really about the state of the industry uh, and if that is going into the right direction. Uh, and there you can see that alliances are part of a larger story <clears throat> of, uh, of larger ship size in uh, container shipping, uh, of concentration in the uh, in, in the industry consolidation uh, vertical integration so more and more uh, liner uh, shipping companies uh, are, are now integrated with with terminal operators for example so that is let's say a whole state of the art of the industry where you could say is that is that going into the, the right direction and we're also actually uh, putting forward some recommendations on that because we think it would also make sense to want well, to have a, a little bit more balance in in that industry to make sure that that some of the on the issues that we that we see can be resolved one of the issues is, uh, is for, for example the buy, buying power of uh, of uh, alliances and, and of carriers uh, the buying power for vis-a-vis the the ports and uh, and the port service providers 
The, the European Commission last week, uh, the European Maritime uh, Law Organization's annual uh, conflab in, here in London, uh, you know, set out the, uh, the key tests they're going to be looking for in terms of the block exemption, uh, none of which uh, surprised too many people, but they're effectively saying they're going to be looking at the effectiveness of the current block exemption rules. Does it still facilitate economically efficient uh, operations? Does it benefit consumers? Um, and, and what's the benefit of the uh, block exemption on costs? Does it help to cut costs? And, and, and which policy option would you know, essentially uh, cause less burden and less complexity in that, in that respect? Reading through your report, you you are arguing that you know the situation has changed fundamentally. The recent consolidation we've seen in the market, the emergence of these these uh, big mega alliances, the mega ships uh, as well, um, the you know the, the the just the sheer size of the operations, that has changed since the last review uh, came through. These rules are, you know, effectively, uh, you know, due to expire or you know await an extension by 2020. Um, by then, I think you know the consolidation and the impact of these alliances will be clear. Um, judging from what the uh, European Commission has already set out as its own rules, it seems clear that there are going to be some fairly difficult questions for the lines to answer if they're going to see some sort of uh, extension uh, granted under the under the terms and conditions that are being set out by the Commission. Well, I mean, it's clear that there are. Uh, certain conditions under which let's say section exemption is uh, is allowed is possible um, so that are the questions <clears throat> that you uh, that you that you also mentioned there does it give uh, efficiencies to the, the transport system are con consumers are they benefiting does the, the competition is that not going to be uh, going to be hampered by this are there any alternatives so these are the questions that normally should be uh, should be addressed in such a such a review process mm. and indeed i think you can say the let's say the answers to these questions if you have changed i think over the last uh, over the last couple of years uh, you you can see <clears throat> that uh, despite alliances uh, the uh, let's say the efficiency of the, the the transport system hasn't hasn't really increased of course what can what can argue is that that uh, is there a really direct link between between alliances? But we can we can think that there is at least a contribution of alliances to that whole that whole system. Um, then one can argue that um, a lot of the let's say the efficiencies could maybe stay within within the system or at least in part uh, going to other stakeholders. But there's also a lot of let's say other effects, other negative impacts that uh, that affect these these transport. Uh, so in the end, the balance for, for them might actually be uh, might actually be be negative, uh, and there might be competition concerns that that are related to to these alliances. So these are, I think, a lot of the, the elements that need to be weighted by uh, by, uh, by, uh, by, the, by the Commission in this uh, this process. Mm. Uh, but, but our uh, our assessment is that while well, this this has this has changed, it, it really there doesn't seem to be. Um, uh, justification uh, to uh, to extend the the exemption that exists. Mm. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, you're fairly um, uh, direct in the language in the report. Uh, you know, the impact of alliances on the containerized transport system taken as a whole seemed to be predominantly negative. That was one of the conclusions you came up with in this report. 
obviously you are looking at a, at a wider um, sphere than just the lines. The lines are, are, are obviously, you know, arguing with a vested interest, but the points that you are raising is across the transportation system. And certainly when it comes to ports um, and the, uh, the wider ecosystem, you're making a number of recommendations uh, in this report, almost beyond the, uh, the competition rules, uh, arguing for better uh, project appraisal for port and hinterland infrastructure and adopting common principles for port pricing. Um, you, you're arguing for a much um, better uh, way of uh, coherently um, uh, linking up the, the, the port systems to effectively to reduce this risk of, of creating overcapacity. But you're doing so, uh, you know, looking at it from a point of view that all of these things are, are linked. Your, your previous work in terms of the megaships, uh, you know, this, this view on um, competition rules and the wider uh, discussion around overcapacity and port planning. The, these are all intrinsically linked parts of the uh, the system, as far as you're concerned. Yes, uh, I think there's a clear link. And, and indeed, uh, we did a report in 2015 on, uh, on, on megaships. Mm. And in a way, this report, the, this new report on Alliance is kind of a you could say a uh, sequence to that, uh, so, 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 because there, there is a, a clear link between between these uh, the, the, the alliances, the global alliances, make it possible also for the for the medium-sized carriers to acquire these mega ships. This has happened, so in a way, there is a direct link between alliances, the mega ships, and and also the overcapacity that they that they have created. Uh, imagine a situation without uh, these these global alliances. It, uh, it wouldn't have been possible for for many carriers to to uh, acquire these mega ships or fill these mega ships. So the situation would have been would have probably have been been uh, been different. Mm. So yes, this is this is related and. This is also why we we sketch the, this uh, let's say this this holistic holistic view because it doesn't make sense to simply look at alliances just as a, let's say a legal tool that provides more legal certainty to just one uh, part of the of the chain. You would actually have to look at what are the ramifications for the whole for the whole chain. That is the important uh, important thing to do. Sure, but arguably the counter to that argument would be that. Actually, the the alliances and the block exemption rules have been a fairly consistent part and parcel of how the lines have been operating for thus far. If you're introducing such a seismic change in terms of the way that the container lines are able to operate, um, you know, are you not going to be injecting uh, more risk into the system by changing it at this point? Well, this is an <clears throat> exemption that from the beginning was designed to uh, to be in place five year with the possibility to to, to extend it. So it has been extended, uh, mm. but of course, if it, it is not going to be extended, then the situation is, uh, is is different. And of course, there's ways in which you can, let's say, make the make a, a fair transition into a system in which uh, which the, the what's say the, the legal certainty is still is still in place, um, uh, and there are parallels to what happened when the uh, the conference system was repealed, uh, also in uh, within, within the European Union, mm. where there were some specific guidelines for the sector how this this could operate after that uh, after that, after that repeal. So there's there's ways in which you can do uh, these kind of things also when it comes to uh, to the block exemption for for for, for the alliances. Uh, then I don't think we, sh we should exaggerate also the, let's say the the, the possible risks that, uh, that that this could have. Uh, of course, there is ways in which you can uh, mitigate this and make sure that uh, that uh, 
carriers know what they can do and what they cannot do. Mm. Of course, we're looking at this, you know, very much from the perspective of this being a European Commission question and how the EU decides, um, you know, its next steps regarding the consortium block exemption. But the bigger question is is how to monitor the new style global alliances that do effectively straddle jurisdictions. Um, I mean, should the EU have a, a specialist agency like the Federal Maritime Commission, or is um, you know is that no longer fit for purposes as well? Do you, do you have any thoughts in terms of you know do we do we need some sort of um, global regulatory body that's uh, you know able to to look at how the big three alliances operate on 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 all of the three east west trades? I mean it, this this is an international question, not necessarily just one of of European standing. Yes, of course you're you're right, uh, and our report is also not only looking at the uh, the EU situation. In fact, we we make an overall assessment of what what has happened. Uh, with alliances, what are the impacts, etc. And then, of course, <clears throat> in our discussion, we have now focused on the on the EU, uh, and that is only part of the of the report. Um, indeed, there is a variety of, uh, let's say, of regimes in in different countries, different jurisdictions, and of course, that is also making the situation um, a bit more complicated. And actually, one of the things we we mention and we recommend is also that there should be sort of a coordination between the main agencies and the, and the different jurisdictions. So to, to, to try to see if there, if there is a possibility to come to some, uh, some, some sort of uh, a common understanding on this. Um, uh, ideally, of course, one would uh, have, let's say, similar rules in, in similar uh, situations. Uh, but of course, that is, that is difficult to realize, and everybody has uh, their own jurisdiction, and, and we understand this at the same time. Um, we think it would be important to want to intensify this coordination between the different agencies uh, throughout the world to, to, to see uh, what can, could be done in terms of harmonization or mm. convergence of, of regulation. Let's just end on a, on a, on a sort of more positive note, if we can. Um, you know, one of I, one of the takeaways I took from your report was, you know, this call for more collaboration between the the different stakeholders in maritime logistics and across the chain um, to to reduce inefficiencies whole, across the whole chain. I, I've noted that you know one of the key arguments from the lines is that you know at a top level their um, ability to introduce efficiencies uh, within uh, their operations is. Uh, at best driven by uh, the need to meet the uh, environmental standards that are coming down the route. Um, the, the shippers themselves are arguing for more efficiencies. Everybody seems to be sort of at least arguing for the, for the same ultimate conclusion, a more efficient, uh, collaborative and, um, you know, certainly um, uh, you know, better working uh, integrated supply chain. Do you, do you think that... Um, if we take the slightly longer view, not just in terms of this specific competition question, but you know the uh, the changes that are happening right now, do you do you see this um, bearing out? Do you see a more efficient and integrated supply chain being born out of these discussions? Well, I certainly hope so, because um, I think uh, you, you're right. I mean, there's a lot of potential there. Um, a lot of uh, inefficiencies within the whole chain are are of course linked to well. The fact that there are different stakeholders that need to work together, that not always work together, uh, coordinate, they need to coordinate, need to exchange information, etc. So, of course, this this really needs to needs to improve, can improve, and and will lead to more efficiencies that, in the end, uh, all stakeholders will will benefit from. So, so yes, indeed, if we can avoid, uh, let's say, a, a whole process of 
legalistic uh, discussions, but instead also focus on how uh, all, all actors, uh, not only carriers but also the other actors, could could could, uh, could help work together to uh, to come up with a let's say a more efficient maritime logistic chain. I think that would be uh, that would be a great uh, great accomplishment. Yes, indeed. Well, here's hoping. No doubt we will be visiting this topic uh, many times on the Lois List podcast in the week to come. But uh, Olaf Merck, uh, for now, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you very much, Richard. 